While regulators and compliance experts watch the banking industry closely, there's a class of business people watching them and financial services organizations as well, hedge fund managers. What makes a bank investment worthy, and how does that reflect their overall health and future prospects? To find out, we'll talk this week with Tom Brown, the CEO of Second Curve Capital. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here with us. And today on the program, we have Tom Brown. Tom is the founder and CEO of Second Curve Capital, LLC, an investment management and financial services advisory firm. Second Curve's investment unit manages several funds that focus on the financial services industry. Its advisory unit provides analysis of financial services to banks and financial services companies. And Tom, Great to have you here on the program today. Uh, it's great to be here. I have been looking forward to this podcast for a long time because we get all sorts of perspectives on what's going on in the banking industry, but yours in particular is really unique. It's a really interesting time right now, and I'm just wondering what you see from that perspective. It's interesting because I think the market overall is in the same position as bank stocks are in, which is there's been a lot of good news built into the valuations of companies overall and bank stocks in particular. And so one of two things I think is going to happen, either we're going to get some progress out of Washington, more progress, I should say, or we're going to see lower valuations. If we do get more progress, then I think we could see uh, higher valuations for the market overall and particularly for uh, bank stocks. I'm wondering if you believe forward progress is just a matter of time or there's some reason to be concerned that it's not quite making its way through the pipeline as rapidly as it might be. We go back to January 1. I thought we'd see more progress by now than we have in terms of regulatory relief. I was in Washington a couple of weeks ago with uh, some retail bankers. And uh, they had just come back from uh, seeing the uh, new head of the OCC, and they couldn't have been happier with the uh, how different it was, night and day different, from their previous meetings uh, in prior years. So uh, I think we're, we're making progress. It's not as much as uh, I expected, but we're, at least we're headed in the right direction. That's interesting. And when we talk about progress, you've had some really fascinating perspectives in terms of what's happening with branches. And what kind of concepts do you see that might be gaining some traction versus those that might just be a futile effort to change and keep customers engaged? I do think the retail banking part of banking is going through revolutionary change. And on the physical distribution side, it's clear we need less square footage and fewer people. And so the challenge then is, how do we make those decisions about whether we need that particular building? And then if we don't want that particular building, is there a pop-up branch like PNC is using? Or is there a cafe like Capital One is using? 
So it's too early to tell whether any of the what I would call the new concepts are going to be successful, but it's not too early to know that we've got to lower the cost of distribution, and that means less square footage and fewer people. Fewer people, less square footage, and also related to that are two factors that you've seen that make banks investment-worthy. I'm going to read from a piece that ran in The Motley Fool. We evaluate banks based primarily on two factors as a screening tool. First, what do we think they can make two years from now? And second, what's a fair multiple for them to trade at? Great observations. Maybe you can open those up for us a little bit. Sure. So some people look at banks on a price-to-book basis. Some people look at trailing earnings. What I have always done, always since the mid-80s, is use what I would call normalized earnings. And today, for instance, most banks are at their normalized level of earnings. But in 2010, the normalized earnings concept helped us really pick out some of the big winners that took place in the subsequent years. So use normalized earnings, what it would be like two years out, and then use the historic average relative multiple for that particular institution. And that gives us a sort of a target price. Compare that target price to where we are today. And that's the screening tool that we use then to investigate. So for instance, when the banks were having credit problems, using normalized earnings and an average multiple would translate into target prices that were well above where we were. And so that just led us to do more work on where that bank was in terms of fixing its credit problems. You have a strategy that focuses on sticking with the same 300 or so companies. What role do banking stocks in particular play? The universe that we're choosing from is actually 400. But at any point in time, we only own about 25. It's a good loses out to great sort of investment strategy. So in other words, if we owned a company, it goes up 15%. There's something else that hasn't moved at all. Then we'll sell the good one and we'll invest more in the one that hasn't moved. So I try to really run a very concentrated portfolio so that we only own what are really our best ideas, not just a portfolio of 100 bank stocks. We touched earlier on the regulatory environment. We also touched on the things that banks are trying to do with branches that are inventive. Are there other factors that you see as crucial that investors need to pay attention to? We've owned some poorly managed companies, but if we're going to own a poorly managed company, the valuation has to reflect that, more than reflect that. So management in this industry varies a lot. And it's the reason why we will visit with every company that we are invested in, we will visit with the management at least once a quarter. And I want to sit across the table. I want to ask them questions about how they're operating their business. I want to take notes and then come back 90 days later and ask those same questions. Sometimes the answers are remarkably different. Uh, there can be good reasons for that. But uh, usually if the answers are remarkably different, we've got a problem. And uh, that's that the management uh, is changing strategy or 
But there's another reason that I should be concerned about it. And when it's the positive side of the equation, what are you looking to hear? Well, every company's got their own issues that we've invested in them. So, for instance, uh, the turnaround situations are always more important than the chief executive officer in those meetings is the meeting with the chief credit officer. And it's that individual's comfort with the quality of the portfolio. When we own a growth company like Tri-State Capital, for instance, in Pittsburgh, the real issue is are they still being successful in executing their growth strategy? So the execution of growth strategy is important. Sitting down regularly with management, certainly important to get a very solid understanding of what's going on. And in terms of where the industry is headed, do you see anything particularly exciting that could really result in some fantastic returns for investors? I see that on an individual company basis. Ah. I don't see it for 5,800 FDIC-insured banks today. So what I try to tell banks, I give a lot of presentations to boards and management, is you've got to be different. Do less focus, streamline, meaning become more efficient, simplify your business from both your perspective and the customer's perspective, and then invest, and invest primarily in digital capabilities. When we talk about digital capabilities, what are some of those that really seem to pay off if banks stick with it? Well, I was with a $5 billion bank, and we spent two and a half hours just talking about their digital banking strategy with a primary emphasis on mobile banking. But when I use the broad phrase digital banking, that's really both the front end, the interface with the consumer, as well as the back end, and becoming more efficient in processing, doing the uh, transaction process. Three years ago, there was a big change in the industry from my perspective, which is for years, for the prior 28 years that I've been looking at banks, the big banks got bigger through acquisition, but on an organic basis, they were losing customers. So they would close more checking accounts every year than they opened, but they made acquisitions and they got bigger. Three years ago, the three biggest retail banks began to win, and the rate of winning is increasing. So... And that is because the economies of scale have finally come to the large institutions. They've invested more in digital banking capabilities, and they're able to invest more in marketing. And therefore, the challenge is really for the banks that are between $50 billion and a trillion dollars. Those are the ones that I see that really have the greatest challenge today. Tom, I don't know of anyone else that has quite the perspective you do on the banking industry in terms of the guests we've had on the podcast so far. I'm so glad you could make the time to be here with us today. Thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. 
Tom Brown is the founder and CEO of Second Curve Capital, LLC, based in New York City in the Empire State Building. You can contact Tom through his website, bankstocks.com. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, banks hoping to succeed financially need to consider the branch formula of less square footage and fewer people. Right now, some successful branch concepts are being tried. Capital One, for example, with its 360 cafe that lets people drink coffee and surf the internet, and PNC's pop-up branch. But it's too soon to tell how successful those concepts will be, and in the meantime, the financial realities dictate that banks take a closer look at the square footage personnel balance. Number two. Know that certain hedge funds, such as Second Curve Capital, use a specialized formula to evaluate banks for their credit worthiness. It combines the normalized earning level, usually two years out, with a historic average relative multiple. This translates into target prices that will tell hedge funds whether your bank is a good investment and has overcome its credit challenges. And number three, now more than ever, less for banks is more. And here's how Tom Brown defines less. Be different, do less, focus, streamline, simplify from both the customer's perspective and your perspective, and invest in digital capabilities. The more will be a greater financial return and better status for your bank in the marketplace. Tom's mention of technology during the podcast and the explosion in the banking industry is something that we see a mirror of to some extent in the hedge fund industry. In this clip, Bloomberg's Eric Schatzker talks with Citadel CEO Ken Griffin about the various challenges that the hedge fund industry faces today. $3 trillion of capital now deployed in hedge funds. It has been an unbelievable growth story. And like many growth stories, we're going through a period of retrenchment. There's more competition. There's a lot of very sharp people trying to find opportunities in the marketplace. This is causing some of the second tier players to fall by the wayside. We saw the same retrenchment, the dot-com bust, where you see second tier firms that don't have a competitive advantage, eventually have to call it a day and move on. And the work that everyone has done over the last 30 years to commoditize news, data, and information. So think about a, a company announcing earnings. Today, those earnings will be analyzed so that literally within seconds of the earnings announcement, you're already seeing the stock price move and adjust to where it should be to reflect all the news that we have. Griffin's words should serve as a reminder to us all that wherever you are in the financial services industry, many are called, few are chosen, and the successful are the ones who stay on their toes and follow the information and the trends in technology and the growth of the competition. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org and look for us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. We hope you tune in next week when a new podcast goes up and you can look for me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.